0: Please turn with me in your Bibles today. We're going to read from Psalm 91. A couple of weeks ago, I was preaching in Psalm 90. And this is just uh, immediately after that, obviously, and following on. And as you do that, look at that. I encourage you to keep your, your Bible in front of you. We're going to need our thinking caps on as we read this passage This morning, I think, but let's hear God's word. Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that your foot will not strike or so, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And we thank the Lord for this reading of his truth. At the outset of this passage this morning, the image that I really want to have in in front of you at this point uh, is that... uh, comic image, which might be familiar to some of you. You know the the idea. When you're trying to make a decision about anything, whenever you're trying, it could be trivial. It could be absolutely any aspect of your life, but it's almost like you've got two two voices speaking to you. You've got an an angel's voice and a devil's voice, and one may be tempting you to do something, and one's trying to get you to to do the right thing. And the question always is, is whose voice are you going to, to listen to? A couple of weeks ago, I was, as I mentioned, preaching from Psalm 90. The sermon title that I had for that was Moses, Sam, because he was the one who wrote those words. The title, as you may have noticed, that I have over this one with a question mark, uh, is that this could be described perhaps as the devil's psalm. Not because he wrote these words, but I would suggest that the devil knows this psalm. And I know for certain that the devil is very aware of the contents of this psalm because the devil has quoted the words of this psalm. But I'm going to come to that later on. Psalm 91 is a continuation of the thoughts that were contained in Psalm 90 about the troubles and the difficulties of life. Psalm 90 was really focused on death. But Psalm 91 takes that a little bit further, and it begins to think about all the, the troubles, the regular troubles in life. Uh, anything that you might worry about, anything that might make you gasp and be anxious, or give you the impression that When you think about it, it's just like the the picture that I have up on the screen right now. It's those things that you're really, really, really uh, anxious about because these situations have come into your life and they seem pretty bleak and pretty dark and you really don't know where you're going to turn. And the question that we might ask at the very beginning as we think about how this psalm might speak into our lives is, Are you worried about anything? Is there anything that has come into your life from outside and that you're really anxious about it? Are you inclined to worry about stuff? Are you fearful about tomorrow? Is there a specific burden that you are anxious about? And I believe this psalm offers us a realistic response to all of that. And as we walk our way through this psalm, we're really just going to read it together. And we're going to understand, hopefully, how the Lord might speak into our lives. But the first section of it is that what this psalm does is is that it is opening up with a, a wonderful promise. And the lesson, I think, that we're meant to learn, really, is that it's simple. And that it is this, that you really can trust God. You can trust Him. That's the big learning that is contained within this psalm. And there's three images that, it, that the psalmist uses to get this across, where he's trying to sense you've got this place of calm and security. And, and I'm going to look at those three images. First, firstly, verse 1, uh, you've got the, the image of shadow. Uh, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This image probably doesn't mean a lot to us in Northern Ireland, maybe a bit more a few weeks ago in the midst of that heat wave. But you're meant to have an image of people uh, in in like a a desert situation where you're experiencing that excruciating heat. And the one thing that you would like above everything else is just to have some peace from all of that. Uh, A bit of shadow that you can just step into and you can just relax and you can experience that that sense of shelter and protection. And the psalmist is saying, that's what God affords to you. Just in in the midst of the, the heat and the panic of the moment, you can experience peace, calm, rest, shadow, the second one takes a little bit further. It's verse two, where it's now describing God as a fortress. Verse two, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So we're now taking a little bit stronger, a little bit more significant. It's now a building. God is compared to a building, a place that you can, you can find uh, peace and tranquility and safety, and you can just rest in the security that that has. Lauren, you look completely as if you're looking for someone. (laughs) Zoe. Okay. So we've got that sense that God is the safety and security and the protection that comes from a a, a building. Then the the final image uh, is a very familiar image which is used repeatedly in the Bible, and it's that image of God being... a mother hen looking after her little chicks. And, well, we can read it together. It says that he will cover, verse four, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. And that verse you're familiar with, you, you hear it many times in the Psalms, just that sense of security and protection that the wings of a mother bird are able to afford. And that's just saying, yeah, God is that to you. He will be that protection. And putting all of that together, as I was saying, the main learning from this passage is simply this. God will be that for you. He will be your shelter. He will be your protector. He will be the place where you can find refuge. That's it. So that's the promise that you can believe, you can trust that, you can know that. And the psalmist wants that to be forcibly placed into your heart, into your experience, that you know that and you can trust that. But there's something else before we read on into the psalm that I'm going to say by way of my second point, is that my second point is this, that you can believe that the devil will certainly twist that promise. The impression that you could get as you read the middle section of this psalm is this that if you are a Christian, that if you are someone who loves the Lord Jesus Christ and you are following him, then nothing bad will ever happen to you. And um, we're going to read this, and, you, and you're going to understand how you could get that impression. I'm going to read verses five and seven. It says, You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. It's like you say, you, you, you can watch all these things happening out there, all, all the miseries that befall other people, but if you love Jesus, it's not going to happen to you. Or read deeper still. Look at verses 9 and 10. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. So no harm's going to befall you. And it seems quite definite in the way that the psalmist writes that. And then look at verses 11 and 12, where it says that God, he will command his angels concerning you. To guard you in all your ways, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So again, you're reading that and what you're taking away from that is that no matter what happens out in the world, if you love Jesus, you won't even strike your toe against a rock. You're not even going to stub your toe. And my question is, is that how we are meant to read these verses? What's the key to enable us to understand what this is actually speaking to us about? And I'm underscoring the point that's on the screen right now is that you can believe that the devil wants to twist the purposes and the promises of God so that your faith is negatively impacted and affected because I believe that what the devil will say to you and he's maybe said it in the past, maybe he's saying it right now, is that if any of these bad things happen, if any of these tragedies of life befall you, if any of these worries come into your life, then the reason must be, according to the devil, is that you're not praying hard enough. That you're not a good enough Christian and that the problem is with you if any of these things are happening to you. And after a little while, you might actually begin to believe that you know, following God is a bit of a mugs game because all these things still happen to me and God doesn't do anything about it. So there is no point in following God that's what we were saying a couple of weeks ago when we were looking at Psalm 90. And that's exactly what the devil wants to say. And that's exactly how the devil twists God's word. And I knew that because that's exactly what he did with Jesus. You remember the story when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and he was taken up to the highest point of the temple And then the devil spoke to Jesus. And the words he spoke to Jesus were the words of this psalm, verse 12, I think it was, where he says, throw yourself off. And it says in the Bible that he will take charge of you and you will not even strike yourself against a stone. And if the devil was whispering that to Jesus, he will whisper the same to you. But what the devil was trying to do in those moments with Jesus is that he was trying to say to Jesus, Jesus, you don't deserve this. You deserve better. You don't deserve to go and surrender your life on a cross and to pay that sacrifice, as it were, for other people who don't really love you or care for you. You deserve more. You deserve to be a king. You don't deserve hardship. Why do you need to go through this And it's like the devil was saying to Jesus, if these things happen to you, hardship, pain, struggling, then God can't be a good God. And as I was saying, if the devil said that to Jesus, he will say it to you. And so we might think, if these things are happening, if these things have happened to me, it must be because God isn't good and God isn't loving and I just want to give up on God and that is what the devil wants to do. But that's not, I believe, how we're meant to read these verses. And the reason I can say that is because I take a broader view of what the scriptures actually say. And I'm going to give you two examples. The first one is a verse that you will all know it's on the tip of your tongue. And if I get you to quote Romans eight twenty eight, you will be able to repeat that to me. And you will say, all things work for good according, or sorry, I can't even remember it myself. <laughs> all things work for good for those who love God. But if you noticed, I misquoted it and I dare say all of you have misquoted it because you have left out one significant word in the middle of that, is that all things work together for those who love God. In other words, bad things do happen. There's no way avoiding that. But God is able to use even the negative things For the bigger purpose of what God is actually doing so that all things work in the round, as it were, or all things work ultimately for God and your good. And there's another one I'm going to read and you'll not be so familiar with this. But it's a situation in Jesus' life where he was warning his disciples of what was going to happen to them in the future. Where they were going to face persecution. It's Luke's gospel, chapter 21. And I'm going to read these verses to you. And he's saying, guys, this is what is going to happen to you, and it's not going to be good. Luke 21, verse 16, it says, you will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death everyone will hate you because of me. So here's Jesus telling his disciples, these bad things are going to happen. It's going to be hard. It's going to be miserable. You're going to endure this. But if you read on, listen to what Jesus says immediately after that. So all these miserable, painful, struggling situations. And then Jesus says, but not a hair of your head will perish. He's been talking about, some of you will be put to death, but not a hair of your head will perish. What's he talking about? Surely that doesn't make sense until you read on, where ultimately Jesus finishes that statement. And he says, verse 19, but stand firm and you will win life. In other words, Jesus is taking that bigger picture. Where he says, Hard things will happen, difficulties will befall you, you will go th- through this and endure the struggles of life, but what is most important is that I will protect. It's like it's, it's almost thinking of what is most important is your soul and, the, and that you will be eternally secure and definite. And so Jesus has that bigger picture, and I believe that is the key to understanding Psalm 91. Because Psalm 91, well, it's clear that we will endure difficulties and things will happen to us that we will not like. But the key is knowing that God is with us. And that's why my third and final point this morning is simply to remind you that you really can believe the promises of God towards your life. Because the center of this is verse 15. Read it with me. You can put yourself in the word he. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And there you have the understanding that yes, troubles will happen. But I will be with you in those things. And that's the different, and that's the encouragement for you today. And that's what is so significant, I think, for all of us in our salvation. And what is significant about the, the Old Testament is that you know where it all points. You know where the game finishes. It's always pointing to Jesus, because Jesus is the one who has won our salvation for us, And that's where we're constantly looking. And no matter what we endure through life, we are looking to Jesus. And if I return to one of the images at the very beginning of this psalm, talking about safety and protection. Remember that image of the mother hen looking after her chicks? Now, keep that image in your mind. If something was going to fall, if there was going to be a bird coming down that was going to attack over even if it was only a a brick that was falling, And, and the mother hen wraps her wings around her chicks. Who gets hit? But it's the mother hen gets hit. She takes the hit so that the kids don't. And when we are thinking what Jesus Christ has done for us at Calvary, And it's that image of the mother hen taking the hit for us. That's exactly what Jesus Christ has done for us. We know that we could not get into heaven because of our sin. No one deserved, well, God didn't deserve to die for that. It was only us. We were the ones who deserved, deserved to die. But Jesus took the hit for us so that we could be free. Jesus died in our place and for that we are thankful. And that's a reminder as we look at this psalm today and as I conclude that we will endure difficulties. There will be things that we worry about. There will be situations that hit us for six. But what we need to remember is what, as verse 15 is concluding with, as it were, is that God is with us in those moments. And even when we think it's so bad, and when we think we can't endure, and it's too much for us to get through, then we remind ourselves what God has done for us in Jesus. And that even in the worst of cases, even if it is sickness that results in death, that God is with us, because not a hair in our head will perish in the sense that God has never left us, and He doesn't leave us even in death, because our hope and our confidence, it's in Him, and we're thankful for what Jesus has done in our salvation. Let's pray. Lord, the words of this psalm are challenging to get our heads around. Particularly when we bring our own lives and our own situation into the context of this psalm. Sometimes, Lord, we confess we do think we don't pray hard enough Or believe you well enough. And that's why bad things happen to us. Lord. We don't want to listen to the way in which the devil twists your word. So that we believe that. Lord give us grace and strength. So that we see that you are involved in our lives. And that you are holding us. And that you are with us. And that you are doing something. Even in the bleak moments. Lord, help us through life. Help us to throw ourselves upon you when we feel too tired and too weak. When we feel vulnerable and when we're worried and afraid. Lord, always point us to Jesus and that we will find someone who loves us, who loves us so much that he died for us. And that's our strength, our confidence. Amen.